Oh, yeah. Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle With Hope, a wrestling podcast with Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova, and my wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. Each episode, we'll hit a topic about what's happening this week in wrestling currently, something that happened this week in wrestling in the past, and then we'll give the go-home signal with a wrestle with hope word of the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. Got to start off with a big thank you to Josiah Williams of Wrestle and Flow for the use of his song Number One Contender from his album The True Gold as our theme song. Uh, man, I just I love it. I love that entire album, mixing two of my favorite things, my faith and my love of wrestling. Check out The True Gold uh, on everywhere you can, Apple Music, on Spotify. Uh, you can look up Josiah Williams, and it'll direct you right there. Here's the thing. You'll recognize Josiah from WWE Performance Center Digital Media, his amazing Wrestle and Flow remix videos, and he recently wrapped down the aisle with Adam Cole, baby, of the Undisputed Era on a recent NXT takeover. You can check out his videos on YouTube and all of social media at Josiah Williams and check out Wrestle and Flow, my favorite Wrestle and Flow just happens to be the Undisputed Era one. Check it out. Uh, now, let's ring the bell and get started. What's happening this week in wrestling? And listen, this week, so much has happened. Just from the weekend on, uh, we have to dive right in and cover it. First off, when it comes to all elite wrestling, AEW, Chris Jericho is our new world heavyweight champion. Uh, AEW, all out happened this past weekend. And uh, here's some quick results, by the way, just so you kind of hear it. Uh, Nyla Rose, she wins the Casino Royale Battle Royal to uh, be one half of the AEW Women's Championship match that's going to be coming up in the near future. Also, Private Party defeated Angelico and Jack Evans in the pre-show going on to the main card. SCU defeated the Jurassic Express uh I got to tell you, I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Jurassic Express. I'm, I'm a fan of a boy and his dinosaur. Uh, I think they called themselves a boy, a smaller boy, and their dinosaur uh, on the way to the ring. But uh, it's just Jungle Boy, uh, you may know or recognize as the son of Luke Perry from 90210, uh, in a, a late great Luke Perry, his son, carrying on the entertainment banner uh, by being a part of all elite wrestling. Pac defeated Kenny Omega uh, in a really awesome match. But here's the thing. Pac was replacing uh, John Moxley. John Moxley had to get treated for MRSA. All of that seems to be on the mend because now they're scheduled for their next pay-per-view uh, in November, which is called Full Gear. And uh, they're going to be facing each other, John Moxley and Kenny Omega, in the future. So check that out. Uh, Jimmy Havoc defeated Darby Allin and Joey Janela. Uh, in a triple threat match. I think it was, it was the Cracker Barrel Classic or Cracker Barrel Challenge or something. Either way, an actual Cracker Barrel was used during this match. Uh, so 
we had we had some amazing um, some more amazing women's action. We had Re- I want to say her name right. Is it Rio Riho? Uh, defeated uh, Hikaru Shida, and she won this the other opportunity for the women's championship match. So it's going to be Rio versus Nyla Rose uh, for the women's championship. By then, I will get her name right. I promise. The Dark Order defeated the best friends so that they can uh, move on and get a first round bye. I think that's what it is. Yeah, they get a first round bye in the tag team tournament, which technically, if you look at it anyway, they already just had their first round match because that's what this technically was. But nonetheless, maybe the best friends still get to be a part of the tournament. Who knows? But um, in all the chaos that was happening at the end of that match, by the way, Orange Cassidy made his debut. If you don't know Orange Cassidy, YouTube him and and check him out. I I'm I uh I I don't get it, but that's okay. Um listen, uh wrestling's not necessarily wrestling is for everybody, but not every wrestler is for everybody. But uh anyway, the best friends, I think they could stand on their own, but they got Orange Cassidy with them now and maybe they're the bestest friends, the BFFs, I don't know. Um Cody Famous Cody Rhodes, by the way, uh, alongside MJF. MJF was uh, um, his the guy who accompanied him to the ring, defeated Sean Spears, the former Ty Dillinger. Now, here's the interesting thing. Sean Spears' manager is Tully Blanchard. Tully Blanchard of the Four Horsemen fame. Even as I say this with no video, only a microphone, my four fingers are up because uh, Horsemen Forever, right? And so Tully Blanchard in a really unique role. I've never seen him as a manager before and never thought of him as somebody who could be a manager, but filling the manager role for Sean Spears in this, everybody did a fantastic job in this match, but the highlight of it for me was my favorite horseman, Double A, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, showing up and giving a spine buster to Sean Spears. Double A, still got it, still proof, and by the way, Arn Anderson will always look like 40 a 40 year old man no matter what. I don't he I think he's in his 60s now. He still looks like a 40 year old man. He looked like a 40 year old man in his 20s. Anyway, Arn Anderson showed up. Cody got the win. Uh, we move on to Lucha Brothers. They defeated the Young Bucks uh in a ladder match that uh was just I mean, too it was so insane to watch. You had to watch it again just to be able to catch everything that happened, but um Man, I just, uh, it was a ladder match for the AAA uh, Tag Team Championships. And in the main event, Chris Jericho defeated Hangman Adam Page for the AEW Championship. And Chris Jericho did not have the championship, but only for a few days before it got stolen, everybody. His championship belt got stolen. That was the big news of the week. His actual championship belt got stolen. He went and uh, grabbed uh, a little bubbly uh, and then went to Longhorn Steakhouse, of all places, Longhorn, and uh, left his belt in the limo. I'm sorry. First off, I'm a big fan of Chris Jericho. Huge fan of Chris Jericho. Top five. Top five for me of all time. Chris Jericho. I love him. You win a world championship, you take that thing with you everywhere you go. Take it with you into the steakhouse. Put it over your shoulder. Cut your steak. Enjoy your steak. Let everybody know that you're the champ. Do not leave your belt in the limo. It was gone. It was stolen. And then, uh, you know, it was trying. It was a little bit hard to kind of figure out. Was this a work? Was this something? Was this already kind of made up? Was this just for you know, publicity or PR? Or was this for real? Uh, and we everybody went back and forth. Is this real? Or is this not? Is this real or is this not? 
I kind of think that this is probably a PR move because by the end of this week, everybody in mainstream media had the AEW championship flashed on their screen as a news story. It, it, it was covered here locally because Chris Jericho is a local for me. I'm in Tampa, Florida, uh, but it was covered here locally. It was all over the Internet. Everybody got a glimpse of what this championship looked like. Now, I don't know if this was Chris's idea or if this was somebody in marketing's idea or Tony Khan's or Cody or anybody, but for whoever's idea this was, brilliant. All Elite Wrestling may not be a household name right now, but everybody recognizes those three letters now. Everybody has seen it on the news, and they might tune in now just because, oh yeah, that's the belt that got stolen. I wonder what happened. They might tune in. I'm, I'm trying not to be a cynic. I'm not saying that everything is a PR move and everything is a work, but I don't know. It just kind of seemed a little little convenient. And for Chris to be like me you know, making videos right afterwards, you know, saying that he was going to have a worldwide investigation and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I'd, I'd probably be panicking if I lost the $30,000 championship belt, if that's what it costs. Although he has jackets that cost $15,000. Just ask John Moxley because he still owes them, I think. And we might have to settle that later. In the ring. Uh, <laughs> another uh, busy weekend still, by the way. But, uh, we still had uh, NXT UK take over. So we had these two events happening on the same day. What an incredible card NXT UK takeover Cardiff was. Uh, just kind of going down the line real quick. We had Noam Dar defeating Travis Banks. We had Cesaro showing up. I told you he was going to show up, and he showed up. And he uh, he took on somebody I'd never seen before because I'm not super familiar with NXT UK programming every single week. But um, I want to say his name was Isla or I, I, Isla. Yeah, Isla or Ija Dragunov. That last name alone, Dragunov. If Vince McMahon was in charge of NXT UK, immediately he would say, forget the first name. You are. Dragon off, like that's what he would do. You are dragon off, and and this guy's name would be Dragon off from here on out because what an awesome last name. Cesaro showing up for the open challenge. Dragon off, he showed up uh, to face him, and what a surprise match! This was an incredible surprise match. I thought this match was going to be a highlight for Cesaro. Cesaro was going to be a regular now on NXT UK or whatever, but nope. Two days later, he was. Uh, losing on Monday Night Raw. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to complain much on this show. I promise. I just wish that Cesaro got the push that he deserves because he is World Championship material. He's amazing. Speaking of championships, changing hands, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster they defeated Gallus and the Grizzled Young Veterans for the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. This was an incredible match. Go back. Listen, if you go back and watch one show from start to finish, watch NXT UK take over Cardiff. It was amazing. Uh, Joe Coffey defeated Dave Mastiff. Uh, in, in an, man, this match was just wild. It was a um, last man standing match. You had to get up for the 10 count. And they pulled out all the stops. But these were giant men. I mean, this was like, this is like King Kong versus Godzilla in the middle of London. Or, sorry, Cardiff, Wales, okay? And so in the middle of Cardiff, you had Godzilla and King Kong battling each other. And uh, this was awesome just to see two big, big men going at it. And uh, normally with this with this kind of stuff, you see a little bit more 
you know, just like stunty kind of stuff. I didn't feel that way. I, they, they still pulled out the tables. They still pulled out, you know, all the weapons and all that kind of stuff. But I, I just, I didn't feel that way. And at the end of the day, man, they pulled off this huge, huge fall. Um, I was worried for both guys because they were huge men. I mean, big guys. If you didn't feel the ground shaking all the way from here, you weren't watching the show. But anyway, Joe Coffey defeated Dave Mastiff. Kay Lee Ray defeated Tony Storm for the NXT UK Women's Championship. And uh, I, I got to tell you, th- this this came out of nowhere because I'm not a regular follower of NXT UK. I didn't know a whole lot about Kaylee Ray, but this match was awesome. This NXT UK takeovers are following right along suit with NXT, you know, whatever, North America, right, uh, takeovers. No, None of these matches was a clunker. None of these matches were, all of them were incredible. I don't even know if I just spoke correct grammar or English right there, but we'll skip it. Because in the main event, Walter defeated the big, strong boy, Tyler Bate. Listen, go back, see this match, because this was incredible. Uh, You talk about David versus Goliath. This was even bigger than that. I mean, this is like, you know, I don't know, Megatron versus uh, Bumblebee. Because this was, I mean, it, it was just incredible. Walter defeated uh, Tyler Bate to retain the NXT UK Heavyweight Championship. Uh, some real quick highlights, by the way, as far as Raw and SmackDown and all that go. My, uh, you heard me talk about last week how my King of the Ring bracket is busted. Let me just explain this to you. This was busted even more now. I mean, like, even more so. I'm really enjoying King of the Ring. Uh, I'm really liking that this is... At first, I wasn't a fan of King of the Ring being like on episodic television. I liked the old pay-per-view where you had, you did the tournament all at once. But this is giving me something to kind of really you know talk about over the summer and really kind of think about like who's going to win this and how is this going to affect them as a, um, you know, as a competitor or anything like that. I got to tell you, it's completely busted now. This entire bracket for me. Because first off, um, Baron Corbin defeated Cedric Alexander with the end of days, right? But then you had Ricochet and Samoa Joe. Now, keep in mind, Ricochet was my pick to win. We got a double pin now on Ricochet and Samoa Joe. So, normally, they'd both be out, right? Not the case. Because during the show, referee John Cohn approached um, approached Baron Corbin. Actually, wait. Referee John Cohn was being uh, interviewed by Corey Graves about the results of Ricochet versus Samoa Joe. And before he could even answer, Baron Corbin shows up and he says that they both were eliminated. And John Cone, referee John Cone, says that WWE management decided that neither men have been eliminated. In fact, next week, the semifinals is going to be a triple threat match. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming at all. So much fun. I'm having a lot of fun watching the King of the Ring uh, tournament. Baron Corbin is getting put through the ringer, which now leads me to believe that I think we're going to be seeing King Baron uh, at the end of this tournament. Because everybody's going to hate it, and I love it. Everybody's going to hate it, and so he's going to get the loudest booze and the biggest reaction, which is why I think Baron Corbin's probably now going to go ahead and win the King of the Ring tournament. But let me just say something else about referee John Cone. Referee John Cone, I have only seen him in um, matches, and I've only seen him in YouTube shows featuring... Heath Slater. Heath Slater does like WWE game night, right? John Cone's always the referee for these games and all that kind of stuff. You can really see his personality shine through. I'm going to start campaigning for referee John Cone to be the new Jack Tunney. 
John Cone needs to be the new WW. Remember WWF president Jack Tunney, right? He only would come out to make you know important decisions about titles being taken away or suspensions and like that kind of stuff. John Cone needs to be this. John Cone needs to be the head of WWE on TV. I love this guy's personality. You may also recognize John Cone's son, Nicholas. Nicholas was the kid who won two years ago at WrestleMania the tag team championships with Baron, uh, with uh, Braun Strowman. That was a joke. I'm being serious about this right now, though. Referee John Cone for president. WWE president? I want it now. That's what I want. Anyway, uh, brackets completely busted, and then over in SmackDown, actually, uh, it, it got even more busted because my finals prediction was going to be Andrade versus uh, Ricochet. But now Andrade's out. Chad Gable pinned Andrade. And then in the next, uh, in, in, the, in the other match, Elias defeated Ali. I don't know what's going on anymore, but I'm still now, my new pick for King of the Ring is Baron Corbin. I don't like it any more than you do. I just see it coming. I see the writing on the wall. King Baron, Vince, that's good stuff. Because literally, Vince would think that, oh, he's a Baron. Like, he literally, he's probably rolling around right now laughing still at the fact that his name is going to be King Baron. That's, that's, that's our buddy Vince McMahon. So, um, that's what go on. By the way, usually when it comes to uh, Raw and SmackDown results and that kind of stuff, I'm really only going to kind of talk about the stuff I like. Because... I don't want to turn this into a complaint fest, okay? So let's gonna just, we're just gonna hit the highlights of stuff I like, okay? So here we go, uh, Firefly Funhouse, guys. We got a new Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt was there. He welcomed us back to the Funhouse, and before all that fun started, it was really funny because he he apologized to Finn Balor for what he for what the Fiend did to him. I'm really loving this new Bray Wyatt. I'm loving the fact that Bray Wyatt on the outside, inside these shows, because you're only seeing him in the Firefly Funhouse. I'm loving the fact that he is just this like reformed quote, you know, uh, kid show host, and he literally sees the Fiend as a separate person altogether. And then you get um, you get uh, you know the boss puppet, you get the Vince McMahon puppet showing up and starts yelling at Bray, and Bray just starts putting money in his mouth, like, "Hey, listen, this is." You know, I'm literally saying I'm drawing money for you, so you know I get to do whatever I want. And guess what he does? He challenges the winner of Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman to a match at Hell in a Cell. Now, here's the thing: I hope that then, if this is what they're going to do, I hope then that the match is in the cell, because I think the Firefly Funhouse. Okay, this is a little too soon. I think giving him a universal title shot is too soon. I think putting him, you know, in a high level match like this is too quickly. But imagine if the if the cell just becomes the funhouse. Like what if what if he turns the cell into a firefly firefly funhouse match and it's inside the cell. And you know, you got things popping up or I, I don't know, but I'm just saying Bray Wyatt or the Fiend rather challenging Seth Rollins versus Braun Strowman. Whoever wins their match is going to get it. I kind of think maybe something is going to happen in that match. Maybe it'll be a triple. I don't know. But uh, but Bray basically is saying, you know, uh, I want I want both of you guys. And then all of a sudden, he comes back at the end of that as the Fiend. And, you know, he just says, let me in. And that's just, it's awesome. It's creepy. But it's creepy, but I love it. Also, big surprise at the end of Raw, Bailey. Baby-faced Bailey 
turn heel, so we think, on Becky by continuing to wallop her in the back with a chair over and over and over and over again on behalf of her friend Sasha. So, all I know is this, is that right now, the entire crowd was going crazy because Bailey finally turned heel. That's not necessarily the reaction that they should be going for. However, if that's the case, maybe we've got another man situation, the man situation going on. Last year, Becky turned heel, but the crowd loved it. And this year, Bailey's turning heel, and the crowd is loving it. So maybe we're not necessarily getting a heel Bailey, but maybe we're just getting a more like tough girl Bailey. You know, maybe she's gonna pull the ponytail out, and she's gonna you know be more you know more aggressive or whatever. But either way, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing finally from the women's division. This is my prediction. This is just me. The women's uh, both women's titles are on the line. You've got Raw SmackDown. Both titles are, are on the line. I'm My prediction is it's going to be a women's match as the main event at Clash of Champions. That's just what I'm feeling. That's just what I'm thinking. We're going to probably, and it might be the man versus Sasha Banks, because right now that's the only match anybody really cares about. Nobody's really, I mean, it's definitely not going to be Roman versus Rowan, right? It's not, it's not going to be that. Um, the Universal Championship match, yeah, maybe, but it's like they're just kind of, you know, bickering like that's just it it's like they're just there's no real feud there right nobody's excited about it you know i'm not gonna complain i'm not gonna complain but um and again and kofi and randy i'm like i honestly it's like i i forget sometimes that kofi is the champion because it's just not interesting right now and so i honestly think that the main event's probably gonna be one of the women's matches and as a result of that what if what if we got the following month a four-way match between the four horsewomen in a cell, winner take all. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming here. I know wishful thinking, but what if we got that? Don't know. Don't know. We'll have to see. Uh, NXT this week had some fun results because, you know, we had Brizongo in action. Uh, Io Shirai attacked Candice LeRae with a kendo stick in the parking lot. That totally sounds like a clue game. Uh, it's Io Shirai in the parking lot with a kendo stick. Um, and then uh, Velveteen Dream defeated Kona Reeves. And right after that match, Roderick Strong shows up and sets the couch on fire. Sets Velveteen Dream's couch on fire. Bianca Belair defeated uh, Tanaira Conti. William Regal announced that there's going to be a, a women's title number one contendership match next week. And then in the main event, the winner of the breakthrough uh, tournament, Jordan Miles, ACH, he defeated, no, no, sorry, he was defeated by Adam Cole, baby, the NXT champion. Uh, that was the title that he chose to go for. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, Adam Cole defeated him in the main event of NXT this past Wednesday. All roads are leading to September the 18th when NXT debuts for two hours, and so I'm, I'm, I think they're being smart about this. They're really kind of heating everything up because that first show is going to be like a takeover, I feel like. I feel like, you know, we guys, we might see a takeover every single week because it, it's just NXT is the best thing going right now. Hey, guys, if you are enjoying Wrestle With Hope, let me encourage you to make a donation to Ability Tree Florida and support their mission, a nonprofit organization that comes alongside families impacted by disability and provides rest, R-E-S-T, recreation, education, support, and training. They're currently raising funds 
for their rest and recreation center in a one-of-a-kind facility that serves as Ability Tree's home base and will allow them to connect with more underserved families to recruit volunteers and teach them how to interact with individuals with disabilities and their families. If you're interested in supporting Ability Tree Florida, visit AbilityTreeFloridaDonate.org. All right, guys, let's talk about this week in wrestling history. Let's take it all the way back, September 1st, 1979. This is the reason why we're here today. The WWWF, remember the World Wide Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Championship is officially introduced with Pat Patterson as the first champion, having won a fictional tournament in Rio de Janeiro. Now, in actuality, he had actually defeated Ted DiBiase for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation North American Championship, and the promotion decided to replace that title with the IC Championship. And so what had happened was, you know, he had, you know they, they wanted to go bigger. They wanted to go even further, and uh, they basically created a brand new championship, and they put it on Pat Patterson. Now, here's the thing. I love this. First off, the whole idea behind there being a tournament in Rio de Janeiro that actually didn't take place, and they still like to this day say that you know it happened it's brilliant you couldn't do that nowadays but this is pre-internet this is pre even wrestling news um you know pre-exposing of the business or anything like that i love the fact that not only did they uh choose to have this tournament out of the country in brazil in rio de janeiro but also just so happens that pat patterson has a really hard time pronouncing rio de janeiro and so his entire life this was a practical joke played on him um Listen, the Intercontinental Championship, for me, was my favorite championship, my favorite championship belt, my favorite championship to watch. If you were to look back at my schoolwork back when I was a kid, you would see all down the margins me drawing the Intercontinental Championship. I had that thing down to a T. In my, in my like, you know, kind of uh, fantasy wrestling game, like, where I would make you know, uh, championships and I would, you know, create wrestlers and all this kind of stuff. Like the IC championship was the template for my world championship. And so, uh, yeah, I, I love that belt, but more than anything, I loved that championship, especially growing up. I mean, first memory of the Intercontinental Championship was Tito Santana. Tito Santana, when he defeated Greg the Hammer Valentine for it, and Greg the Hammer Valentine destroyed the old belt, and Tito got the new design, and that new design is the design that uh, I, ha- I have a replica of it here at my house. Uh, it, it was, it's the design that we all know as the Intercontinental Championship. This one had the red WWF logo on it, and uh, I remember, you know, Tito had it, and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, Randy Macho Man Savage defeated him for it, and then Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and then the Honky Tonk Man, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, right? All these men carrying that belt. The Ultimate Warrior defeating the Honky Tonk Man, ravishing Rick Rude, defeating the Ultimate Warrior, and then it goes on and on and on. And then one of my favorite Intercontinental Champions, probably my absolute favorite Intercontinental Champion of all time, Bret the Hitman Hart. Bret Hart defeating Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental Championship at at SummerSlam was one of my favorite memories of all time. He defeated Mr. Perfect. I mean, this is Mr. Perfect, Mr. Undefeated, Mr. Untouchable, Mr. Absolutely Perfect. And he got defeated by the Hitman 
for that championship, man, I was hooked. I was sold. That match made me a forever Bret Hart fan. So, I mean, the Intercontinental Championship, uh, it's celebrating its 40th anniversary this week. And uh, for the rest of the year, you know, it's 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 the big 40. So, you know, we're going to celebrate along with it. I've got a couple of more highlights of the Intercontinental Championship. August 31st, 1992, the WWF's fifth annual SummerSlam aired on pay-per-view. Now, that's the night that it aired. The event actually took place two nights earlier in London, England at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 fans. Now, the show was the first and only time at that moment that the Intercontinental Championship had main evented a WWF slash WWE pay-per-view at the time. Well, technically, not all the way so, because right before that was WrestleMania six where the Ultimate Warrior, um, it was title versus title against Hulk Hogan for the World Championship. So that was the first main event. But this was the main event where the Intercontinental Championship itself, on its own, main evented a pay-per-view, SummerSlam 1992, and it was the British Bulldog challenging against Intercontinental Champion Bret the Hitman Hart. So we're going to kind of go through that. Um, By the way, some other pay-per-views... In the past, that main evented with the Intercontinental Championship were the third and eighth in your house shows, Backlash in 2001, and Extreme Rules in 2018. A quick look at what happened at SummerSlam 92. The Legion of Doom, Hawk, and Animal, they defeated Money Incorporated, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin R. Scheister when Animal pinned DiBiase after a power slam. Then, uh, Nails. Remember Nails, right? Nails, who was supposed to be like this uh, villain to... The big boss man. What do you do once that is over? Nothing. You can't do anything once that's over. Nails uh, defeated Virgil by TKO when Virgil passed out from a sleeper hold. By the way, Nails uh, didn't last long in WWF. He actually attacked Vince McMahon. You don't attack the boss. And uh, he got sent packing. Rick Martell and Shawn Michaels. Uh, this is this this is brilliant. This is fresh off of Shawn Michaels uh, becoming a newly you know a, a new heel, a new bad guy. Um, they're both bad guys. And the match stipulation was this, was made by Sensational Sherry. Neither man could hit the other one in the face. Sherry got on the apron during the match. She fainted. Uh, Martel and Michaels both went to check on Sherry and then ended up getting into a fight over who should check on her, and they got into a double count out. This could have been better, but, you know, what are you going to do? WWF Tag Champions, the Natural Disasters, Earthquake, and Typhoon. They defeated the Beverly Brothers, Bo and Blake. Their manager was the genius, by the way, Lenny Poffo. Macho Man Randy Savage's brother, to retain the title. Crush defeated Repo Man by submission with the Cranium Crush. Maybe Repo Man stole Chris Jericho's title. You ever think about that? Maybe he stole it. Maybe he took it. Remember, he used to say, what's mine is mine, and what's yours is mine too. Anyway, Repo Man. Repo Man, by the way, formerly Smash of Demolition, and I'm still bitter. Um, The Ultimate Warrior defeated the WWF champion, Randy Macho Man Savage, by countout due to interference from Ric Flair and Mr. Perfect. This happened middle of the show. Then The Undertaker, with Paul Bearer, defeated Kamala. Remember this? With Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi in his corner by disqualification after Kim Chi hit The Undertaker with his own helmet. Now, all things withstanding. Not that great of a show, but in the main event, a classic. The British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, with Lennox Lewis, boxer, boxing champion Lennox Lewis in his corner, pinned the WWF Intercontinental Champion Brett the Hitman Hart by countering a sunset flip with a roll-up to win the championship. 
This ended Bret Hart's second reign, and man, the British Bulldog was this. This was the pinnacle of his career. This was the peak. This was awesome. What better than to main event SummerSlam at Wembley Stadium in London in front of everybody in England and just and the main event, man. The main event was the Intercontinental Championship. It doesn't get any better than that. Let's jump through a couple more dates. September 4th, 1995, this week in wrestling, WCW Monday Nitro debuts on TNT, live from the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota. The show got a 2.9 rating, by the way. Not that that really matters, but it was the beginning of the Monday Night Wars. WWF Monday Night Raw didn't even air that night on USA because they were preempted by the U.S. Open. Are you old enough to remember back when WWE, WWF programming was interrupted often by either tennis or a dog show? Remember that? Now it's like, if now it doesn't get interrupted. Now they, you know, they go all the time. But man, imagine, remember those times back when there was no wrestling because of a dog show. And remember when you would forget and you would turn on wrestling and then all of a sudden you'd want to see it and nope, there's just dogs. Dogs run. Not junkyard dog, mind you. Not the British bulldogs, mind you. Dogs, a dog show, not cool. Um, on that show, one of the highlights for me on that show, by the way, was Brian Pillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. What an incredible match! Uh, they had like a series of matches that was great. WCW U.S. Champion Sting defeated Ric Flair by disqualification. Okay, so think about this: the first Monday Nitro, Sting versus Ric Flair. The final Monday Nitro, Sting versus Ric Flair. I mean, that's in my mind probably top five rivalry ever. In the history of wrestling, Sting and Ric Flair. During the match, by the way, this is this was one of the, the beginnings of all these surprises. Lex Luger made his surprise return to WCW. He signed with the company after working with the WWF without a contract for like several weeks. In fact, he wrestled for WWF the night before and then showed up in, uh, in Minnesota for WCW Nitro. Sneaky, sneaky Lex, sneaky. Um, and then in the main event of the show, WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart defeated Big Bubba Rogers to retain the championship. Big Bubba Rogers, you might remember him as the Big Boss Man, okay? Uh, he was Big Bubba before, most known as the Big Boss Man, and then he went back, and man, when he went back to WCW, he ran through a series of bad gimmicks. He was Big Bubba, he was the Guardian Angel, he was... Um, the boss, like all these, just it was just bad, 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 bad. Don't ever, don't leave the WWF without your um, uh, copyrighted name, because otherwise you will have an identity crisis forever. I'm looking at you, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Also, on September the 5th, 1990, we had Clash of the Champions. Clash of the Champions 12? Yeah, Clash of the Champions 12 took place in Asheville, North Carolina at the Civic Center, and in that, we had Fall Brawl. Now, a couple of quick highlights of the Fall Brawl were the Master Blasters defeating Brad Armstrong and Tim Horton. Now, the Master Blasters, one half of those guys was Kevin Nash. Look it up on the network. You can see Kevin Nash in like some post-apocalyptic um, you know, road warrior gear. And I'm not talking about good road warriors. I'm talking about like knockoff road warriors. So look at, look at that. Um, some other stuff, the Steiner brothers were there. They defeated, uh, just a couple of nobody, you know, Tim Hunt and Jeff Warner clash of champions at the time. Wasn't full of big name matches all the time, but, uh, but it was fun just to kind of see these stars all in one spot. Um, speaking of which Stan, the Larry Hansen was there and he defeated, remember the Z man, 
Z-Man, Tom Zink. Stan Hansen defeated him. And then uh, Lex Luger, at the time, who was U.S. champion, defeated Ric Flair. Ric Flair fighting a lot of times for the U.S. championship. NWA World Heavyweight Champion Sting defeated the Black Scorpion. Now, this was the Black Scorpion. If you don't know anything about the Black Scorpion, this was an amazing story that was so complicated. Think about how complicated the Eric Rowan, Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns car crash, hidden imposter story is going on right now. And the Black Scorpion was literally just as bad. I mean, like, just as bad. Because you had the this, this guy claimed he was from Sting's past. And he was in a mask. And he was called the Black Scorpion. And he wanted to come after Sting. And he was going to ruin Sting's life. And then he started showing, like, fake, like, supernatural powers. Like, he would pop up and show up in different places. Um, he would, you know, especially, like, on Halloween Havoc, he did, like, a whole magic show, basically. And so for weeks, Sting was tormented, right, by this guy from the past. Now, here's the funny thing. In recorded videos, and you look at the video, and he was blacked out. You couldn't see who he was. Clearly, he was Ole Anderson, okay? Clearly, he was Ole Anderson. But it wasn't Ole Anderson. Now, in the ring... It was often Al Perez, who, you know, again, nobody in, w- in, in NWA at the time, right? He was a wrestler by the name of Al Perez, just under a mask. And then on the night when it was supposed to be the final, final battle, you got the Black Scorpion in the ring with Sting for another match. And clearly, this is Ric Flair. Like, you could not hide that this was Ric Flair. And it made no sense that it was Ric Flair. <laughs> and, and it just ended up being this huge convoluted mess so much fun, so much fun at the time, uh, and uh, man, this dragged on. This was in September, okay? We didn't get the reveal that Ric Flair was the Black Scorpion until December at Starcade. Think about that. For months, we were speculating in my, you know, with my little wrestling fan, wrestling friends, who's the Black Scorpion? Who could it be? Maybe it was the Ultimate Warrior. Maybe it was this guy. Maybe it was this guy. Nope. Ric Flair, all along. God, I love wrestling. Oh, I love it very much. All right. <laughs> and then uh, the last thing is uh, September 6, 2009, 2009. Bob Barker hosted the Monday Night Raw of all Monday Night Raws. He was the greatest guest host of all time. Uh, not only did he do a great job of being a guest host, but on top of all that, he actually did a, a contestant uh, he actually did a bid. He did a bid with a bunch of contestants. He actually brought up Santino Morella, Jillian Hall, Erwin R. Scheister, and Chris Jericho. And I and listen, look it up on YouTube. Chris Jericho's reactions to Bob Barker, Barker were insane, amazing. And uh, Chris Jericho ended up winning, and he won a chance for a trip to Hawaii, but he had to win a match. And uh, the next match that he had was against MVP, and he lost. So anyway, he lost the bid. Bob Barker, greatest guest host ever on Monday Night Raw. All right, guys, now it's time for Wrestling with Hope's Word of the Week. The Word of the Week is legacy. Legacy. See, when we talk about the 40-year history of the Intercontinental Championship, we talk about legacy. I mean, we look at the past and we see all these great Intercontinental Champions, right? And we see a legacy of future stars. We see a legacy of future world champions. A lot of these men that have won that championship have gone on to be 
world champion. I mean, the, the Intercontinental Championship, not quite a stepping stone, but for years was looked at as the the workers' championship. If you were the Intercontinental Champion, man, that means you were putting on the best matches of the night because you were part of the, the second touring company of WWF. And if you were the Intercontinental Championship champion, you were headlining shows throughout the United States. Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, Bret Hart. Yes, even the Honky Tonk Man and the Ultimate Warrior. All these men putting on great, tremendous matches and shows for everybody to see. When I think of uh, great Intercontinental modern champions, I think of, number one, Chris Jericho holds the record for the most Intercontinental Championship reigns at nine. I also think of The Miz. And The Miz, he's all, he's held it eight times. He's going to be facing Shinsuke Nakamura. By the way, another great champion. Shinsuke Nakamura soon for, for the championship. And what you see happening here is you know the Miz who started off as a you know a reality show star who was you know not looked at greatly for his in-ring work but slowly but surely man has he improved and has he grown as a competitor and has just been amazing when i think of the intercontinental championship he's in my top 5 of champions because he is just so prevalent i can't see him without that belt i can't see him without that championship and there's a legacy there there's something to leave behind and in our own lives What's that legacy? What are we leaving behind? When we're gone, are we leaving behind something for other people to follow? Are we leaving behind um, something for people to look at and say, man, you know, man, what a life that was lived. Man, what an encouragement this person was. And so here's just, just real quick, here's three things. How to leave a legacy. Number one, you want to leave a legacy in your family? Keep your word. Keep your word. Uh, in, in the Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, it says, Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil ones. Just be, just keep your word. Simple yes, simple no. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. Make a commitment and keep it there. When it comes to your family, if you make a promise, hold on to it. You may think it's a nothing thing, but your kids are going to remember that. Your kids are going to remember the times that you broke promises more often than when you kept them even. So keep your word. With your friends, be an encouragement. Be an encouragement to them. Lift them up. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, as you are doing. Encourage one another and build each other up. Think about that. What kind of legacy are you leaving behind with your friends? Are your friends better with you in their lives or better when you walk out the door? What are you? Be an encouragement to them. Here's the third thing. While you work, be all in. Be all in at your job. Be all in with what you're doing. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, whatever, in word or in deed, so whatever you're saying, whatever you're doing, yeah, do it in God's name. Give thanks to him. And here's one last thing. With God, just be true. You want to leave a legacy in your relationship with him? Just be true. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 through 4, it says, Let love and faithfulness let never leave you. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, and then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That is our word of the week. Folks, I hope you enjoyed Wrestle With Hope this week. Connect with us. Write us an email, wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. I want to hear your predictions for, uh, for uh, I was going to say, Night of Champions. Nope, Clash of Champions. I want to hear your predictions for Clash of Champions. Drop us an email, wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. 
Reach out to us on Instagram at Russell with Hope. Also on Twitter, Twitter, Russell with Hope. Find us on Facebook at Russell with Hope Podcast. Support Ability Tree Florida. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can go to Ability Tree Florida Donate. Org. A big thank you to Josiah Williams for his music as our theme song. And thank you to artist Extra Cooler for the artwork in our logo. Until next week, then, this would be Gordon Soley saying so long from the Sunshine State.